Thank you very much. Now we should give a clap offering to the Lord because he deserves all the glory. Just to give you an overview of what we do, uh, much as we support everything that they need, we feed them, the uniforms, uh, their uh, field trips. Actually, they, we, it's not for free because every parent has to work 12 hours a month for their children's education. We do not believe that uh, you know, we foster a dull out poverty mentality like everyone's just you know, asking for something. We teach parents actually to, uh, to have dignity, to be proud about themselves. You know, when, when you give something and they lose it, you, know, you don't really feel the loss. But once a parent works for the child's education, then it means you know, they're going to value the child's work. We always believe that you know, we tell the parents, you know, your children is with us for three hours, four hours a day. But one day is 24 hours. So 20 hours is there with you. So what, they, what we do is we ask the parents to actually study and we teach them life skills. So, you know, they learn about nutrition, they learn about hygiene and, uh, 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 you know, many things that they learn in school. So actually, you're not just supporting a child you're supporting a whole community, even the parent, to change their lives, to be proud about themselves. You know, we, we, so these parents are now learning and hearing and, you know, they feel the love. But at the same time, they're being taught and being productive in the community. So, again, we would like to thank you in behalf of City Gates Academy in the Philippines, uh, in Coron and in Antipolo, we would like to thank you because of your generosity. God bless you very much. A team, I was talking to Paula, your team that came to Coron and visited for two weeks is now flying back or is about to fly back to the Philippines, uh, to the UK coming from the Philippines. And I would like, you know, to invite all of you to visit Coron. Because actually, I need to tell Mike, there are actually four or five criterias why we chose Coron. Number one, should have been affected by Typhoon Haiyan. Number two, no relief effort going there. Number three, it's accessible to Manila for a short trip, maybe by plane or by ship. But lastly, you know, or fourth is there shouldn't be any church in the community. But lastly, we wanted to find a place where after many years you know, of doing relief work, people would like to come back. Because a lot of times our experience is you know, after we forget about the, the tragedy, people then forget to support the work. And a lot of relief uh, organizations in the Philippines are now backing, backing out. They're uh, withdrawing. Why? Because there's another tragedy somewhere that they, should need, they need to go to. So, we cho you know, the fifth criteria that we chose is we needed to go to a place where, you know, there's no gospel, there's no church, no relief is going on, but it has to be an island that people would like to go to because it's a tourist spot. So actually, when you go to Coron, it's a, it's a tourist spot. So you don't, you don't just go there for, for missions. You can actually go there for a holiday. And I would like you to come over to Coron because it's a beautiful place. But you know what? The truth is, not every one of you can go to Koron. Some of you will be staying in the hot, sunny island of the United Kingdom. 
because you love your country. And not every one of you will be going to the Philippines. And some of you, you will miss, you know, the, the, the cold weather. And I heard some amens there, <laughs> somewhere. So I would like to you know, share a message for a, a few bits. When God tells you to stay, when God challenges you not to go on a mission trip, but when God tells you to stay and make a difference where you are. Because everyone's mind is, I can make a difference when God takes me to a, another place, but not in my workplace, not where I live, not in my, in Embaro, or not in my country. God can make a difference with me and He can use me when I fly somewhere exotic. But I would like to challenge you today that you can make a difference where you are. We're going to look at Luke chapter 8. The story starts with Jesus inviting his disciples to come. On a boat trip, you know, after being busy, it's great to have a boat trip. It's good to have a leisure time. So they got on a boat, storm comes, and you know, and they almost sent. Jesus was sleeping. Jesus puts the risk of all of his disciples, you know, just to get to the other side, to the gatherings, an an island or a place where not a lot of people want to go. So Jesus takes the disciples, gets into the trouble of going to the storm, goes to the other side to meet one person. And this person, this young man, has been possessed by legions of of evil spirits. There's a, there's a story there because Jesus goes through all this trouble for this young man. And there are people here who feels that God has forgotten you. Jesus has forgotten you. But Jesus took this time, gets into all this trouble of, you know, the storms and everything to meet a man. And if you feel today that you're not special, that you're not important in God's eyes, I would like to tell you today, you are. And that, you know, God's thoughts towards you is important and, and, and very, you know, uh, something that is wonderful. Why? He loves you. He loves you so much. You know, Mark said that uh, my wife is now a black belt in Taekwondo. It really did help our relationship. There is now peace in the home. You know, every time we wonder what we're going to eat, you know, and we have a little bit of a, a, a disagreement somewhere, she starts cracking her knuckles and says, you're right. God has spoken to you. It's amazing, you know, that uh, she loves me. Despite you know, my, despite that she being Taekwondo, you know, when you, you, you find a man, you think, you know, your man's going to defend you. I found a woman and she's going to defend me. <laughs> this fat guy can only do sumo wrestling. <laughs> she can do Taekwondo and now she's doing uh, Muay Thai as well. God help me. Please pray for me after the service. You know, it's amazing how she would love me. But this man in the story that we're going to look at today, no one has loved him. 
even his relatives, even his father and, you know, the mother, no one stepped up to defend this man. No one loves him. But Jesus travels all, and, you know, travels the sea, goes to the trouble, risks the lives of his disciples, just to let this man know, I love you. So the boat gets, in, you know, gets to the other side on the shore. This man runs down across the crags and crannies of the mountain, runs towards Jesus' feet. It's the man. No clothes. Everyone's afraid of him. Why? Because he could break chains. He's a myth amongst, among kids. You know why? Because if you're naughty, one of the parents would say, He's gonna, the, boog, the boogeyman's going to take you. And all the kids know this man. Because they, they, they tell stories about this man. And he's going to come if you don't behave. And everyone is afraid of this man. And so when, when this man came down, Jesus meets him. Not with fear. Jesus looks at the man with love. Everyone runs away. Jesus crosses the sea to meet this man. We know all the story. Jesus casts out all the legions, the demons, asks Jesus, send, me, send us to the flock of uh, pigs. So Jesus said, yeah, you may. I'm going to give you permission. So they go to the pigs, run towards you know, the pigs, go to the ravine, falls into the ocean, drowns, dies. Stock prices for pork goes up. There's no pork. No pork chops. So everyone gets angry because of the pork chops. Everyone from town hears about the news about Jesus casting out demons and the pork and the pig just jumps and everyone from town looks and instead of rejoicing because this man finds salvation, everyone tells Jesus, you got to go. You got to leave. We don't need you here. Funny, isn't it? And instead of rejoicing about the young man being healed, they were just concerned about Jesus leaving. And a lot of times, it's true with our lives as well, isn't it? When, we, when our lives are changed, we accept the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not happy about that. You know, it's good to get drunk, you know, Good to womanize and wreck someone's home and, and do all these stupid things. And everyone's saying, you're cool. You're right. Keep on doing it, man. You're cool. But once you accept the Lord Jesus Christ and your life totally changes, what happens? He said, he's gone crazy. Isn't it funny? And I know as a Christian, you've experienced people laughing at you simply because you, you were a Christian. And you haven't done anything. Simply because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, people laugh at you. People are hostile towards you. Why? Simply because you've got Jesus Christ. And this is the story of this man. Finding Jesus, he becomes healed. Instead of people rejoicing, oh, they said, you know, you don't change anything. We don't want you to change anything. We don't want you to change people's lives. Just maintain the status quo. And you know what? When Jesus comes into lives and communities, he shakes things up. And people who do not know Jesus Christ are not very comfortable with it. 
But you know what? Praise the Lord Jesus came. Praise the Lord Jesus came. So we're going to continue the story reading from Luke chapter 8, verse 24. Now I need my glasses. It's an old man syndrome. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people who went out to see what had happened when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. He's healed. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them. Instead of rejoicing, they said, We don't need you. Please leave. Because they were overcome with fear. Verse 38. And the boat left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told over all the town how much Jesus had done for him. See, here's this man begging Jesus, please let me go with you on the boat. I've got no life here. I've got no life here. Everyone's hostile. Everyone hates me. So can I go with you, Jesus? Because you know, you're the only person who've placed your hand on me, who's loved me, who's cared for me, who spent time with me. Lord Jesus, please take me with you. If I were Jesus, I would have taken him. He would help my ministry. Tell people about what Jesus has done. He will give testimony of how many legions of demons in him. And Jesus casts cast it away. That would help Jesus. But Jesus said, stay. His life before was rejection. No one cared for him. He lived in, the, in caves, undressed, did not eat. Everyone was afraid of him. Now he meets Jesus. And the time where... Jesus says, I'm leaving. And he says, Jesus, take me. Jesus says, you're staying. Twice his heart looks like it's broken. Twice it looks like G G he's been rejected. First by people, first pe uh, people that loved him, people in the town. Now Jesus rejects him. And I know there will be people here. And you're wondering... Does Jesus actually care for me? Does, does Jesus actually love me? Does he have a plan for me? You know, we love those teams that went to, you know, Africa and the Philippines and in Koron. But I'm just a housewife. I'm just a pen pusher. I'm just a student. My life is boring. I need to go somewhere else. And then you hear a tiny whisper. Telling your heart, you got to stay. Stay where you are. You're looking for excitement, but you know, the voice of the Lord just tells you, you got to be where you got to be. And you just need to stay. And I would like to challenge you about what do we do? What should be my attitude? What should be your attitude when no one's left but me? Everyone's gone. And I am left. 
in a hostile town. People don't love me. People have laughed at me. And Jesus tells me to stay. When God tells you, you need to be in, the work, in that workplace. People's hostile. People laughs at you. But God tells you to stay anyway. What do we do? Number one, you need to be passionate. Another word is fervor. You need to be enthusiastic, full of zeal. Verse 38 says, the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with Jesus. He was full of passion. He was full of, you know, uh, direction and purpose. He wanted to do, do something. He was begging Jesus to be with him. We need to be passionate wherever we are. Secondly, we need to be with people. Don't run away, with, don't run away from people. Be with people. So Jesus sends him away. When Jesus said, I'm sending you away, go back to town. Man, that's hard. No one's smiling. No one's, everyone's afraid of you. And everything that you could remember are bad memories of the town, of people, of places. And Jesus says, you got to go back and be with them. And you know what? Much as we would love people who's got smiles on our faces, some people will be hostile towards you. Some people will not be happy simply because you believe in God. They will discriminate. You know, and it's painful when they look at you from a different perspective. You know, I, it's a funny story, and this is a true story. I met a friend of mine, uh, Westfield Shepherd's Bush, London. So, you know, before going, meeting my friend, I needed to go to the loo. So I went to the public toilet, you know, and had to pay like 30p or something. Went inside. And you know what? The urinal is a little bit higher. Not for Filipinos. <laughs> I have to tiptoe. A bit higher. But you know what? It's, it sounds funny. But sometimes, you know, you feel like this place is not meant for me. Anyway, he said, you know, this is not meant for me. I'm not welcome here. But you know what? Sometimes, it's not the urinal. People will look at you from a different, differently. They will talk to you differently simply because of your faith. Simply because you believe in Jesus Christ. You know what? You need to be with them anyway. You need to love them anyway. You need to be a light to them anyway. Because they need you. They just, they just don't know it, but they need you. Can you tap someone's shoulder and say, they need you. Chris McCandless was fed up with the rat race. And so he said that, you know, these people are troublemakers. They make life more miserable. So he decides to go into the Alaskan wilderness and stay there alone in the wilderness on a bus in the middle of nowhere. And he died there. There was a documentary based on his life. But on his last, on the journal, the last entry in his journal was this. Happiness is only real when shared. 
Your happiness is only real when you share it with someone. Your faith becomes only real when you share it with someone. No man is an island. We cannot be church alone. We need people. Because church are people. And you know what? Maybe the person sitting right beside you is not your type. Dresses differently. Talks differently. You know, he's actually strange. But you know what? He's still part of you. Because you're the church. And you need each other. You need to be with people. And you need to love people. And brothers and sisters, it's not pleasant to, for God telling you, you need to be where you're not comfortable. And Jesus sends this man back to his town. Because it's not Jesus who needs the man. It's the town that needs the man. It's the office. Your office needs you. Your community needs you. And sometimes it's not welcoming, but you need to go back. Anyway, thirdly, you need to be aware of God's goodness. I said this morning at the 9 a.m. service, went to Regents Theological Seminary in Nantwich, 96 to 99. And I told one of my lecturers, and I shouldn't have told him now, but I told one of my lecturers, you know what, two-thirds of what I studied actually, actually didn't use. It was useless. It, it seems like, you know, I just wasted my time. But you need to go if you want. If God calls you, go to Bible college. But you know what? You don't need to go to Bible college to, for God to use you. As long as you're aware of what God has done for you, you can take that and share the goodness of the Lord. So what has God done for you? You need to be aware. Be aware. You know, there's a song that goes, Count your blessings, name them one by one. And there are times when people do not count their blessings. Count your blessings. If you know, and you know how God has been good to you. You know, in the Philippines, I don't know how much here. But I use the illustration of, you know, it takes a person one tank of uh, you know, oxygen a day. It costs us in the Philippines 350 pesos for a tank of oxygen a day for you to live. And I don't know how much that is. But if you compute how much that will cost in a year, even us just breathing, even us just living every day, is something to be thankful to God about. Amen. And when someone comes to you and says, why are you smiling today? Because I've got Jesus in my heart. That's enough. There's no sun out, but Jesus the sun is in my heart shining. And it doesn't matter if it rains, it snows. I'm a Filipino, I hate the weather, but I smile anyway because Jesus is shining in my life. There's no reason for you to smile. In the office, there's no reason for you to smile at school. But if you've got Jesus, you'll smile anyway. 
you know, this is a true story. Because we were based in London, Valentine's Park. I was sitting doing my devotions. And I was like deeply in thought and, you know, loving God. And I was, and there's this woman with the dog. Um, you know, from behind, she tapped me. And she said, it's all right, boy. It's going to be okay. Because I look like, you know, look like I was really sad. So was in, she was encouraging me, it's going to be all right, boy. And sometimes our faces, we say, I am Christian. I believe in God. But when, when people look at your faces, looks like uh, needs an overhaul. But we need to know God's goodness in our lives. Lastly, I'm going to close. You need to be willing. You know, we hear about we hear about stories in the Bible and God's command and Mark preaching to us. But you know what? Much as we know things, it's not obedience. It's in the doing that it's obedience. We need to be willing. So the man went away, told all over town how much Jesus had done for them. He did not just do it once. He kept doing it. From one street to another, kept telling people about what Jesus has done. That's hard, man. When everyone's hostile, when everyone hates you. The man kept telling people about what Jesus has done. I told the story this morning about a, a king wanted to know who was uh, wanted to know who was the bravest in their community. You know what happened? So he asked, he put all the he put all the alligators, all the piranhas, and everything in the river. All the dangerous animals that swim. And then uh, he asked the people to gather. When they gathered, he said, whoever swims across this river with, with the river full of alligators, piranhas, and crocodiles, and sharks, and all of the bad animals that will eat you, you know, I'm going to give him half of my wealth. And even my, my daughter, the princess, I'm going to give it to him. And while the, the king was talking, they heard a splash across the river. You know what happened? There's one man who fell. Started swimming, and they were cheering him on. Come on, you can make it. Crosses the other side. He gets to the other side. Everyone cheered him. Hooray! He was panting, so tired. King calls him. He said, do you know I'm going to give you half of my wealth? And my daughter? Yes. Would you like to say something? Yes, my king. I would just like to know who pushed me. And sometimes, God is not after a push. He's after people who are willing to go. It's useless when you've been forced. My wife sometimes asks me to take up trash, clean, you know, the room. She doesn't click the knuckles. I do it willingly. Because if she threatens me all the time, that's useless, isn't it? What kind of relationship is that? 
But a real relationship is you're not afraid. You do it willfully because you love your wife. You love God. God tells you to stay. You stay. And be a light. Isn't it amazing? Jesus crosses the sea. Talks this one man and goes back. And leave one man to make a difference in this town. He did not leave another disciple. It was just him. All him. Staying. Just takes one man to make a difference where you are. And guess who is it? It's you. It's you. Come on, Mark. Come on, let's thank Pastor Glenn for this.